everybody. Welcome back to Lipstick and Lightsabers. I am Shannon. And I'm Alex. And today we are finally going to be talking about Into the Dark by Claudia Gray for the higher public, which is very, very exciting. Um, But first, we do have a lot of news to get through, but I do want to say we got the sweetest email the other day from somebody who discovered us through our Willow podcast. Um, If you are still listening, um, hello, your email was amazing, really made our day. And happy that you found us and now know about Raylo. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> um, as far as recommendations go, um, I am going to recommend Kingdom of the Wicked by Carrie Menescalco. If you are like Alex and I, this book will be exactly your brand. Uh, very exciting. Lots of angst. Um, listen, like, this book ends and you can hear straight to hell from... Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a good vibe. That's a good vibe. <laughs> See, like, Sabrina didn't give us... A chilling Chilling Adventures of Sabrina didn't give us that much, but they did give us that song. They did give us the bop, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, the, the hold list for this book is insane. Oh. Um, it was for me, it is for you. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you can get your hands on this book, like, please go read it. It's, it's an experience. It's great. <laughs> So as far as news, um, the big thing finally happened, and is that Gina Carano will no longer be working with Lucasfilm. Yeah, no more. She has been defeated. Evil has been defeated. Yes. I'm glad that they finally drew the line. It should have happened It should have happened a long time ago. Um, am I upset that they didn't say anything when she was being transphobic and racist and all yeah. that? Like, yeah, I'm upset. Am I happy that she's gone now? Of course I am. I mean, there's, there's rumors about behind the scenes, like certain people wanting her gone ages ago. And I don't know who was putting a stop to that. I don't know, like, the inner politics of all of that. But um, very glad she's gone now. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit. Um, the way her, like, story kind of ended up in season two could very well be, like, an end for that character. Um, we both do like the Cara Dune character. She's interesting. But if they wanted to just, like, leave it there and not even do, like, a recast, like, that could work as well. Um, overall, like, the big thing is, though, is that Gina Carano is gone. She does not represent Lucasfilm anymore. I think even her talent agency dropped her. So that's just, it's still a mess. Apparently she's still tweeting. She's still saying things, but. I have her blocked. I don't don't see her. I I don't see her either. Um, I do like, though, that on the flip side of that, we have Pedro Pascal, who remains unproblematic, booked and busy. So busy. So busy. Listen, a part comes up and they're like, (laughs) we need you to play a reluctant father. And Pedro's like, yes. Where do I sign? (laughs) Where do I sign? (laughs) Um, Yeah, so he's going to be playing Joel in the Last of Us TV series for HBO. So exciting. So exciting. Both of us have seen the second game. And not the first game. Not the first game. (laughs) But we, um, I, like... I was really into what I saw. Like, both of mm. us were into it. Very exciting that uh, Bella... What's her last... Bella Ramsey is going to be playing um, Ellie, who is the main character. And she is known for playing... Is her name Leanne? No. no she she played um, one of the... Uh, she was one of the nobles no, in the North, like the Bear L. family. No, I know, I she know. She was Lady Mormon. Mor- she's a Wasn't Mormon. She? Yeah, 
So she is from Game of Thrones, which both of them were in Game of Thrones. But um, and she she voices Hilda on the animated uh, show for Netflix, and she's seventeen, and I think she's um she's perfect. Like, def- I think it's definitely like a good thing that they got someone a little bit younger because it's a TV series, and she'll like age up with the seasons and everything. Yeah, I think Ellie in the original game is a little bit 14. younger. I think she's 14 in the original. Yeah. So like that works out. Like I'm glad that they cast somebody younger. Um I know in the second game, I think it's like 5 years later maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And the second game follows more of like Ellie's journey and there's a lot like I think we even talked about this a little bit. There was a lot of um mixed reviews on The Last of Us 2. We mm-hmm. both really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Of course, we were new to, like, The Last of Us yeah, fandom. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, like, I wouldn't say I'm in the fandom, like, at, like, whatsoever. So, like, yeah. I, and, I, and, like, I understand that a lot of the, like, upset comes from attachment to the first game, which neither of us had. So, as a standalone, the second game to us, the story was awesome, but... Had we played or watched the first game first, would we have different feelings? Maybe. I don't know. From what I understand, so, like, I was telling my mom about this because my mom and I both love, like, survival genre type things. Um, She was really into The Walking Dead, so I was kind of telling her it's similar Mm -hmm. to The Walking Dead. There is, like, a zombie, like, Mm -hmm. plague outbreak type of thing. Um, And the first game is really centered on, on Joel and Ellie, um, Joel is tasked with taking Ellie basically across the country because um, mm-hmm. she could be the key to kind of like fixing things. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, like their bond and everything as the game goes on really develops a lot. And that is what the story is. It is very dark, um, which we know HBO does. But what I do like about The Last of Us is that it it is so character driven. Like it's mm-hmm. just Joel and Ellie. Yeah, and then in the second game, they bring in all these new characters that are awesome and, like... Yes. I'm not going to pretend like I know that much about this series, but um, yeah. the characters <laughs> are all very, like, individual and um, unique and just, like, different from one another. You're not seeing, like, a repeat of the same, like, action hero character. Yeah, they... I, I feel like they they really wanted to make something special when they decided to continue the series, and I think they... You can tell that there was a lot of care that went into the mm-hmm. story. So I hope we still see that same thing carry over to the show. I'm I'm very excited. Um, I want to try to check out the first game. Um, but <laughs> Pedro Pascal Such as Joel. Such a good casting. So yes. good. So, so good. Um, another thing with uh, casting. I'm not really sure if they were cast, if they're writing. Uh, what did we get? Um, I see that you labeled them as mom and dad on our Google Doc. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I believe it was on, was it on Instagram stories or reels or TikTok? Yeah, something like that. There's yeah. just like this video of like Donald Glover and there's kind of like some like seductive music. And then all of a sudden, like, it flashes to Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and she's kind of, like, posing, and, and it's like, okay, like, what's going on? Like, this is um, Lando and L3, interesting, interesting. And then there's a title card that comes up that's just black, and it's like, Mr. and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, um, the TV series, Amazon Prime video. I think, like, I lost it. 
Like, I, like, seriously, like, I was, like, busy while, while this news dropped. I was cooking, and, like, I just kind of, like, flipped my phone over, and I saw this, and I was, like, not ready. I was, like, not ready to see that <laughs> They're so good. They were so good together, and you manifested this. Oh, I did, because I watched Mr. and Mrs. Smith two days before this and and like and the only reason i watched it was because chaos walking is coming out very soon and doug lyman is the director of both of those movies so i was like you know what i feel like watching a doug lyman movie i kind of want to get the feel for the way he directs like i wasn't in the mood to watch the the born series so i put on (laughs) mr and mrs smith um and so yeah it was just like fluke like i was like did i did i do this but it's just so random. Like, because I remember you said that. I was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And then we saw this. And I'm like, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. Like, no. Like, it's it's really strange that that happened. Yeah. I I have never... I still haven't seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, from what you said, it's kind of boring. Um, it's, it's not really like you're watching it for a plot, I would say. Like, yeah, they're, the, like they, you can watch it. They are the and plot, they're, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, that like, I'm excited because I think, like, the aesthetics are really cool. And, like, mm-hmm. Phoebe is brilliant. If she has anything to do with, like, the writing or anything, like, this show's yeah. going to be great. Oh, yeah. I think the show is going to, like, knock them out. Like, it's going to be so good. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like, I, I will consume anything she does. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely anything. And I'm so excited. So freaking excited. Um, continuing on with our non-problematic Star Wars faves continuing to be booked and busy, um, we got the Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer, and we got to see a little bit more of Aaron Kellyman in that, who we know yeah. as Infus Nest. I think a lot of people didn't catch her in the last trailer. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> this trailer, they were, they were like, wait, did I know Aaron Kellyman was going to be in the show? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy that she's getting hired for things because she's amazing as Emphis Nest, but there's not enough of her. And, like, I understand that it was Han's movie, and he does learn a lot from her character in that. But, like, Aaron Kellyman just needs to be on screen, like, all the time. Yes. And I don't know a whole lot about her character or really what, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be doing, but... I'm just, I I think it's really cool that she got cast in one of the new Marvel shows because just like, I mean, look how wildly successful WandaVision has been. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for her. Yeah, I just hope like she's like at the forefront of like everyone's minds and casting directors and stuff. I just need her to be in everything. Mm Mm-hmm. And let's talk about that trailer for a second. Like, listen... (laughs) (laughs) the couples Um, counseling are we gonna talk about that is that what you want to talk about i i just the 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 shipping (laughs) like yeah um so like the obvious like i say obvious because like marvel really usually goes um for the head couples it's probably gonna be a bucky sharon romance going on but but the trailer has me questioning that now. <laughs> Listen, like, you cannot deny the chemistry yeah, that these actors oh, have. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I just, 100%. like, I don't know where to set my expectations. If I put them on the floor, then I'll be 
really I'll be excited. surprised yeah. if something happens between the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Like, listen, the the Agent 13 Bucky ship, like, I could be here for that. Like, that could be interesting. But I'm I'm sorry. You put them you put them in couples counseling and had them sit facing each other. Their knees are literally like Interlocked. interconnected. Like <laughs> having a staring contest. Um and like for them to release so it's Valentine's Day today. They released um that video of the actors. <laughs> Um, giving Valentine's Day tips. Just a and couple of guys. And it's it's honestly, like, one of the weirdest things I've ever watched because their demeanor in this video is just, like, so strange. <laughs> I don't know, like, how you feel about it, but it they, was so weird. There's clearly some kind of, like, inside joke. Yeah. Like, they like, know something. There's a rival, like, clearly there's, like, a rivalry between the two characters in the show, but, like, that that Valentine's Day video that they released today just, like, came off as, like, sexual tension. Like, yeah. I don't know how else to explain it. I'm really getting vibes of, you know, like, Oscar Isaac, like, you know, he, he was, like, really pushing for, like, Poe to be gay. Like, I'm really getting it <laughs> yeah. from both of them, where it's, like, let us be yeah, gay. Yeah, but the trailer, the trailer is also saying let's be gay. I just, like, let them be gay. Could you imagine? Like, yeah, I like, I just don't, I, I guess I'm going to set my expectations yeah, low because. Yeah, I've seen that with a lot of people where they're like, I've read too much fan fiction. I need to reprogram my brain. So <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we got to be ready for just in case. But I have not read fan fiction, but I'm interested because it sounds like that this fandom has good fan fiction. Oh, well, the Bucky fandom fan fiction is is like famous. Have you read? No, but I've read books that mention it. Oh. It's all over any kind of fandom space. Like, okay. like, like Stucky is like a huge no, show. No, like, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, we're so spoiled with um, Raylo. This is true. Caliber fanfiction from my from from my understanding like Raylo, Dramione, Stucky like those are, are... the the golden ships <laughs> like, yeah the, <laughs> the bigger ships from what i understand yeah like i just like i want to find um good caliber fanfiction to read i'm like not opposed to any ships i just want quality yeah i just want some quality <laughs> I mean, you you regularly go through AO3, so I, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's my it's my quarantine comedy. I will choose a random character and find out <laughs> if there is fan fiction for them. <laughs> the rabbit holes you can you can go down, guys. The rabbit holes. It's it's insane. Um, pivoting away from that, our last piece of news is that um, this is Miss Taylor Swift's world. We are just living in it. She is doing it like nobody else. I mean, she, um, so she re-released Love Story this week, and the new album art is beautiful, and the song is so good, and... Yes, and she is re-releasing all of Fearless, um, Taylor's version, on April 9th. I just, like, she is, nobody's doing it like Taylor Swift. Yeah, and, like, she put April 9th in, like, a hidden message on Twitter, to tell us when that's coming out 
I just her brain. Her brain is and so then, big. Like I also have to like wonder if there's a third album coming out. I think I think she will release another one. I I think so too. I there's something about it and the fact that Fearless is coming out with like never before heard songs. And that's probably going to happen with all of the albums that she re-releases. Yeah, I've already said it, but, um, like, no one's going to want to hear from me, like, when Reputation gets re-released and we get new (laughs) Reputation music. I'm going to die. I'm going to (laughs) die. You you have created this, like, Reputation monster in me. I know. But I've been bugging you forever. Like, I'm like, Shannon, when will you listen to Reputation? You don't understand reputation, like it's the album. You you like you have to listen to this album. I know you were on there forever to listen to it, and then I finally listened to it. Mm-hmm. And for like the past, I don't know how many weeks, that's all I've listened to. And you're like, <laughs> when are you going to listen to Lover? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm obsessed with <laughs> no, reputation. Like, you, you're like, I know you. You won't like any other album as much as Reputation. <laughs> um, but there like are some good ones off Lover. Yeah. Well, but it's like, not I, as good I as listened reputation. to um, I listened to Red today. I'm not done listening to Red. Um, mm-hmm. And like I I know a lot of songs off of Red because they were on the radio. But I definitely have a few. It's not the same like no skip energy but yeah. there are some good ones the the albums that have no skip energy to me are reputation and evermore yeah yeah no i agree i still i still think folklore is a no skip album but we have discovered that evermore is like that's where the supremacy is <laughs> with this era <laughs> uh it's just great like listen i'm sorry guys um alex turned me into a like full-fledged like raging swifty so i apologize in advance but i'm also not sorry (laughs) (laughs) we will probably do an episode one day where we classify star wars characters as taylor songs oh my god well we have to right like yeah that's our brand (laughs) we have Mm -hmm. to do it Okay, but I think we are ready to move into Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. So this is technically the third High Republic book, if you don't count the Great Jedi Rescue, which is a little sticker book. Overall thoughts, we're gonna we are gonna talk about spoilers a little bit, but what did you think of Into the Dark? So I would say this is my favorite of the High Republic books so far. Um, the characters are awesome and we're not running into the issue where we did with Light of the Jedi, where I felt like there were too, too many characters and I just couldn't follow anything. I can follow the characters in this book, which are good. And we know that Claudia Gray is the queen of characters. She, her characterization is amazing. And, and both of us, like that's our number one thing in any book we read. The characters need to be written well, like fleshed out have interesting motives, and I think all of that is here. Yes, I definitely agree with that. I will say, I think, um, so this book also has, like, multiple points of view, which we've seen mm-hmm. with all of the higher public books so far. There are less characters to focus on in this, but yeah. one thing that did get me is that it changes points of view so often. It does. And I, I don't think everybody needed one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I still loved all of the characters though. So it's like, I was never mm-hmm. like mad when it would switch to a certain character. It's more just like, I felt like c- certain characters didn't get enough time. Like her earlier books follow less characters. Mm-hmm. It was like Lost Stars 
follow two characters, two point of, points of view, and then like Leia, Princess of Alderaan. I think that's only Leia's perspective. Yeah, and Bloodline. I think is only Leia. Oh well, it might do Castorfoas too. Yeah, I was gonna say Castorfo. Does does he get? Um, but then we get to Master and Apprentice, and we have a lot of a lot more. POV changing, and then we get even more in this book. Yeah. I, I would say that it, it definitely gave me uh, Master and Apprentice vibes. Obviously, that yeah, one's an adult novel. Yeah, the way it was novel. written, totally. It totally, the vibe of the writing felt more like Master and Apprentice. Mm-hmm. It, it really did, which I appreciated. I liked seeing mm-hmm. that um, continue through. This also, I felt like, dealt with bigger topics um like like the jedi though i kind of feel like we're only scratching the surface Mm -hmm. but it it did bring up a lot of interesting things to think about and i really think like my my main critique is just that i wanted more um and like the the two sides of the story i felt like weren't as connected and i think that was just because like one side was dealing with like bigger things if that makes sense like without the spoilers. Mm-hmm. I think that the High Republic would benefit from having a more focused book. Yes, I agree. And like, I get that we're at the very beginning, like phase one, they, they're calling it of, of the High Republic. So they're trying to be broad and they're trying to bring people in. They're trying to tell like the bigger story that's going on. But like both of us like more intimate stories where you're like really getting in the head of one or two people. So hopefully that they they do do that, like, coming up. I hope so, too, because I I will say, like, the expectation going into Into the Dark was that this was going to be about Wreath and Affy, and it was, but not really, like, together. They kind of had, like, two different stories. I was fully expecting, like, a romance between them. Yeah, and it it just, that's, like, not the direction that it went in. No, Which is fine, Um, but, like, and I mentioned this um, Mm -hmm. when I did a book review on it, like, I feel like the meat of the story wasn't even those two characters. It was Cormac and Orla. And then, obviously, Wreath is tied into that because he's also part of the Jedi Order. And then, like, with Affy's side of the story, it wasn't really connected at all. And, like, I still liked it. I liked seeing them. I loved Leox and Geode. Like, they're amazing. But I, I do wish it had felt more connected. And I think, again, like, that's just... It's so broad. It's doing so many things, so it can go in so many different directions. And mm-hmm. I, I wish it could have been drawn in just, like, a little bit more. We'll go into spoilers now, I guess. Yeah, let, let's talk spoilers. So, like, if you haven't read this book, um, we both, I think, definitely recommend it. Um, yeah. I would really recommend it over the other two. Yeah. Um, I, I really love Justina's book, um, but I definitely mm-hmm. think if you're trying to decide between this and Light of the Jedi, I would definitely go here. Because, one, it's easier to follow, but two, I think it just, the way it presents concepts (laughs) makes a little bit more sense, in my opinion. (laughs) And I would just, like, if if you're not going to go for Light of the Jedi, but you want to know more about, like, the Great Disaster, you could just go on Wikipedia. Yeah. Because... Light of the Jedi has the great disaster going on for, like, 100 pages. Yeah, I saw somebody... it's too much. Somebody made the like, made the point to me um, in the comments that you need those 100 pages to, like, understand the Great Disaster, and, like, I completely disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need it. It You 
you can understand that it's devastate it's devastating without reading it for 100 pages so it's it's fine so let's talk a little bit more about like what this book is about because we talked about that like it's very character focused so do you want to kind of tell us like who we are focused in on with this book yeah so i would say the main character is reef mm-hmm. like he is the standout main character and then there's all these other characters that kind of support his growth, I would say. And then there's um, the B-plot, which I would say is like Leox and, and Affie. And they support each other. But yeah, like I would say Wreath is like the main character of this book. He's, um, he's a 17-year-old Padawan. Um, he loves reading. He <laughs> loves being in the Jedi archives. Um, he's a very strong student, but things don't necessarily come to him as naturally. Like, the Force doesn't, like, speak to him like it does to Anakin, I guess, is a good, like, comparison. Yeah, I, I would say he he's definitely a lot more, like, learning-based, maybe, than, like, yeah. natural ability. Maybe? Yeah, like, very, like, hard work to get, like, to where he is now. Yes, like, he's gonna read all the books. Mm-hmm. He, he like, is our he baby nerd boy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't struggle, but he is, like, incredibly hardworking, and he worked hard to get to where he is. Yeah, I, I think he's, like, a a good example with him is that, um, so in this book, we have Wreath, who's a Padawan, and then we also have somebody named Dez, who is a Jedi Knight, and he actually yeah. used to be a Padawan for Wreath's master, which mm-hmm. we've also seen this again in Master and Apprentice. She had a similar relationship. Yeah. Um, where Wreath is a lot more book-centered and learning and facts, and I want to do this the right way, Dez is very adventure and boisterous yeah, and energetic. Yeah, see it with the rail. <laughs> yes, yeah, he was, he, <laughs> I, I really love that, like, Claudia Gray, she, she did that, um, type of relationship, and she gave us rail, and she was like, what if we do rail in a different way, and then she gave us Leox. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. And, like, they're both, like, they both in the audiobook versions have, like, these, like, drawls, like, these, like, (laughs) southern, um, which is awesome. Yeah, Rail's, like, one of my, Leox, both Leox and Rail are some of my favorite, um, new characters from books. Mm -hmm. They're so awesome. I do, so, like, talking a little bit more about Leox, I, what I really liked, so, like, Claudia Gray loves her Matthew McConaughey in space. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But what I like is, like, so, like, you think of what you think of, like, when you hear the words Matthew McConaughey and, like, you sent me that picture of him. Yes, and Magic Mike. The the audiobook version, the voice that reads his section just sounds like his character from Magic Mike. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, like, what's interesting is, like, you get that imagery, but then Leox (laughs) turns out to be um, an asexual character, which was really cool. And what I liked about that is, like, normally an asexual character would be somebody like Geode, who is a rock. Yeah. But instead, Geode is, um, he's a wild (laughs) man, apparently. He's, like, so wild. Like, such a wild (laughs) rock. (laughs) I... I feel like Claudia Gray had so much fun writing Geode. Geode, like, Geode is, like, the humor that I wasn't expecting out of this book. And it was, like, so funny. Like, he was, like, so, like, everything Geode would do, I would just be, like, cackling at. Well, I just love that, like, he's literally just a rock sitting there giving us nothing. But it's, like, 
genius. <laughs> no, like, but just like the the like comedic like timing, I guess, that she writes into him, like where he just like pops out of nowhere and you don't yeah. know how he got there. It's like how is he because moving? Because he moves so slow, apparently, but then like he's just like there and you're like, wait, what? Like how did he get there? Well, and I love how like um especially like when it's with Leox and Affy and they'll be like, Geode's comforting silence meant that blah blah blah. Like <laughs> like Geode never speaks and yet they know exactly what he means. It's like galaxy brain version of like when Chewie is in books and he's just like growling and like you're supposed to know what he means but it's even like further than that yes I I love it and like you even pointed out at one point like Geode goes like clubbing like yeah he goes like they're like oh where's Geode and they're like oh he's hitting the club and I'm like what (laughs) or like the fact that he goes into his mating smelt in like 10 years (laughs) I'm like, I, what? Well, I just like, <laughs> there's like a scene me. where they're talking about like why Affy's mom would be like comfortable with her being with Leox and Geode. And like, that's when you kind of learn more about um, yeah. Leox being asexual. But then he was like, yeah, and then Geode, you know, he doesn't go into his mating thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, okay. I believe they called it a smelt. A smelt. Yeah. <laughs> what mm-hmm. is that? I also like that Geode's not actually his name, um, but you cannot actually pronounce his name unless you don't have a mouth. Oh my god. Like, what is that? <laughs> like, this is the Geode book. Like, This, this is the epitome sorry, of, like, the like, dumb Star Wars that I love. Yeah. I kind of wish that it was more Leox, Appy, and Geode. See, I honestly think you could have had two different books. You could have had yeah. the Jedi book, and then you could have had the um the guild book with them maybe so wreath like i love wreath baby boy wreath like awesome but i feel like we've seen the jedi story told so many times Mm -hmm. that i was more interested in the other characters and see like i I was for a little bit more interested in, like, Affy and Leok's story, mm-hmm. but, like, I just kept getting frustrated because it wouldn't ever tie as much back into what was going on with, like, Orla mm-hmm. and Cormac, and, like, that's yeah. where I started to, like, really get situated with this book, was, like, Orla and mm-hmm. Cormac. Yeah. So they are our Jedi Masters that are traveling here, and what's interesting is that they have a history... Uh, <laughs> Whatever that means. Yes, something <laughs> happened to them. And what was interesting is, like, you get flashbacks with them and, like, what happened, like, this big mistake that they made. They don't feel like the Jedi that you meet in Light of the Jedi. Like, Orla is kind of starting to walk away from the Order. Like, she's she's well, a way she's seeker. She's a wayfinder. A wayfinder, way, way yeah. Wayseeker? Wayfinder? What, it, what I think is she's it? A way, wayfinder? I think she's a wayseeker. Okay. I don't know. They, I, I, I feel like they're still trying to make Wayfinders make sense, and, like, I don't know. Um, but, like, yeah, she's she's kind of, like, doing her own thing, and Cormac as well, he seems, like, a little bit more withdrawn. He's a folklorist, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. And what I liked is that, like, as the story went on and you kind of learned about what happened to them in the past, you learned that both of them are questioning the Jedi Order and don't think that the order is exactly correct. And they're kind of dealing a little bit with, like, the dark side and the way that the Jedi teach the dark side. And I really, 
I really liked seeing that. They really, like, the, the Jedi really just teach abstinence. Yeah. Like, with the dark side. It's like, just ignore it and you'll be fine. Yes. Well, and even Comac points it out, like, you wanting to, like, split the force in two into, like, light and dark, like, feels wrong to him. It's yeah. like, you can't just, like, have one without the other. Like, it's just it's not just, like, right. It's just, like, fluid. Yeah. And that felt very, um, like, I don't know the word. It felt, like, very provocative, I guess, for, like, a Jedi to say. Mm-hmm. I feel like we haven't really heard that before um, from somebody who wasn't, like, maybe a darksider. Yeah. I do think, um, kind of going back to what you were saying about this possibly being too, um, like, focusing more on, like, Leox and Affy's story, I do wonder if from here, like, this was just kind of showing, like, their beginnings, and, like, from here, if it's gonna branch, and maybe we'll get, like, an Affy book. Um, I, like, the thing is, is, like, I'm questioning everything, because I really don't know what this direction they're trying to go in with these characters. Like, I get the sense that there's certain staple Jedi that we're gonna see more of, um, but, like, are we going to see Reef? as, like, a main character again? Or will he maybe have a cameo in another book? Oh, well, I can already answer that question for you, and the answer oh, wait, is yes. Oh, you know? Yeah. Wait, main, he's going to be the main character again? Yeah, so um, our next young adult novel is by oh. Justina Ireland. It's called Out oh. of the Shadows, and it is following the adventures of Jedi Knight Vernestra Rowe, um, Padawan Reese Silas, and young inventor Avon Staros. Wait, it, so it is Avon. From the site that I pulled it off of, it says it's Avon. And to me, okay. she looks exactly like Avon. I So, like, there's, like, ownership over some of these characters, I feel like. Like, Vernestra and Avon, because they were in... Like, how collaborative is this? Well, I feel like... You know, when Kevin and Justina were writing, no, not Justina, Kevin and Claudia were writing Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice, they yeah. worked together on Rail. Um, they kind of like created True. him together. So I'm True. wondering if Justina and Claudia kind of worked together on Wreath since yeah. he's the one crossing over. Yeah. I like, I mean, we see it all the time. A bunch of different people have written Leia before. Mm hmm. And there's certain versions of Leia in books that I like better than others. But it's different when it's a new character. Yeah. It like these these authors really do need to collaborate and shape these characters so that they don't seem confusing and you don't feel like you're getting whiplash between the books. Yeah, definitely. Cause like that can happen when mm-hmm. like you get a Leia in this book and then there's a Leia in this book. Like you do want them to feel similar. Um mm-hmm. so like I'm wondering if because um, I feel like Wreath, like, was the main character, but I feel like when it came to, I don't know, I feel like Orla and Comac were, like, her, and I can't remember the names of them now, the the jewel thieves in Master and Apprentice. Oh my god! Yeah, they, like, came out of nowhere, stole the show. Crap. Like, that's what it felt like to me. I just with know them. that it's, like, she, um fan casted her as Gemma Chen so we were like even more obsessed Pax and Rahara Rahara Paxara Paxara yes Um, like it reminded me of that in that like they kind of like they weren't expected they kind of came out of nowhere 
um, and they kind of got to shine on their own mm-hmm. because we, we didn't know about them. Yeah. So I, I do feel like they felt more like they were Claudia's and maybe Wreath is more of like a collaborative collective character. character yeah i wonder like what that was like them like having like these really like open meetings where they're building up their characters all together mm-hmm. and then con- kind of separately going to write them oh that must be fun yeah that's really cool i i really like that and more than anything finishing this book i just got really excited to read justina's book because i do think it's gonna be since Wreath is in it, like, I do think it's going to be, like, a, like, a sequel continuation, you know, for mm-hmm. his story. And I'm really excited about that. I'm, I'm excited for him to meet, um, Vernestra. Like, I, I mean, I guess he already kind of knows her, but... But the two, um, personalities. Yeah. Because I think both of them, like, so Vernestra is a lot more, like, uptight mm-hmm. than Wreath is. But they're both, like, very, like, overachiever, I feel like. Yeah. I, I feel like they're either going to get along really, really well or they're going to completely butt heads because they are yeah. so similar. But also, like, the fact that Wreath is older than her but still a Padawan. That is also something. Because, like, yeah. Vernestra... There's a power struggle there for sure. Well, like, Vernestra already has a Padawan, too. Oh, I'm so... Listeners know I'm against that. I know, so like, am I. I think it's a terrible idea. So so am I, but, like, I'm wondering if, like, that's going to create some kind of weird tension with Wreath also being a Padawan, yeah. older than her, and then her having a Padawan. Like, if she's, like, we're going to see her failing or something. Yeah. It's, like, the opposite of Anakin. Like, Anakin was a, such an old Padawan. Because, <laughs> like, Wreath is, like, the normal age to be a Padawan. Like, it's fine. It's fine. I mean, um, but Vernestra is though. like the opposite. <laughs> what about Obi Wan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obi Wan, baby. I just, oh my gosh, I don't understand. Um, so, like, the meat of this book is that we they were traveling along. They were supposed to be going out to the frontier, and the great disaster happens. They get knocked out of hyperspace. And them, along with some other refugees, take a refuge on this station that's kind of, like, out in the middle of nowhere. Um, what's cool about this station is that it is abandoned and overrun with plants. Very scary. Yes. Lots of dark side energy. hmm I love this setting. Like, listen, you know me. She said evil plants, and I was like, okay, I'm listening. I'm here. No, they're, they're, like, even though, like, you're the, like, plant person, like, this is, like, one of the coolest things about this book. Like, this and Geode. Yeah. (laughs) This and The Rock. (laughs) And they're both, like, nature, like, cool. Yeah, I really liked that. I liked, too, that it's, you see that in Test of Courage, like, dealing a little bit more with, like, the nature and, like, the planets. Yeah. Um, And this to even more an extent, because the plants are there, there are these weird robots that are still taking care of everything they've got this like weird dark side energy that they're feeling um i also like that they pointed out (laughs) every time they'd feel this dark side energy they'd be like well is it a tree it could just be a tree that just was so funny to me but this this station like really does kind of feel like a ghost town because it's so old and there are relics and there's writing on the walls it was Really, really cool to be here. I liked the setting a lot. If they were ever to do, like, a horror movie, like, 
in Star Wars, this would be a cool place to do it. I think so. To know that they were just, like, floating out in space with, like, there's, like, nobody around. They're in the middle of nowhere. I, that's exactly my, my brand. <laughs> I love that. Very alien. Yes, yes. No one can hear you scream. So I feel like um, when we're on this station, like, that's when we're kind of more introduced to the fact that there are kind of, like, two things happening here. Um, and it is the Jedi, like, feeling the Stark side energy. But then we also have Affy as she discovers that... Uh, her mother and, like, the company that she works for might have a lot more to do with the station and, like, what's going on here. So tell us a little bit about, like, Afi, Leox, and Geode. Like, what what are they a part of? They're a part of the Vine Guild, which um, Afi's foster mother runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, so um, Afi gets kind of to like she she gets to be raised within the guild and kind of like I guess like apprentice to be like a lead which has created a lot of tension because like she's kind of like gone through like all the ships and like no one wants to teach her anything because like she's more of a like annoyance than anything else like she actually like it's more work to teach her than, like, work that she'll actually be able to give back to, like, the crew on those ships. Um, but then she kind of, she found a home with, um, with Leox on the vessel. Mm-hmm. Which I think was really nice. Like, I really love the relationship that Affy and, um, Leox have. Like, it definitely it's feels very fatherly. Really, oh, I was going to say, like, very, like, Pedro Pascal would like salivate over this role. <laughs> he would. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And like, listen, like Leox like walks around like he's like a hippie. Like everybody's like, yeah, Who oh are yeah. You? He's he's so like into spice and like he's just very laid back. He wears like um, beads and like has his shirt open. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's just such a a a weird character for Star and, Wars, and I love it. And is is he like the first canonically ace character? The he's the second. Oh, okay. Why can't I think of her name? Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> what is her I name? Knew that. Um, Vi Moradi. Vi, yes, Vi is the first canonically ace. So this is like our second one, which was really cool. I wasn't expecting that at all. I do like how Claudia explained it, and like I said, I like that she kind of subverted expectations and made him the asexual and geode the the very sexual being which was very interesting i i did like her side like affy's side of the story in that when she finds this station she starts to find like all these writings she does kind of discover that um her mother scover was using this station to kind of I don't know exactly what her intention was, but she was sending people to the station basically to die. Um, and that's what happened to her parents. Like, they got sent here and they died. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly. So, like, we discover that there is, like, this engine down in the station. It's like the coaxium thing. Yeah. So, like, you can, like, siphon energy off this engine. So, I think that's what Scover was wanting. And mm-hmm. almost, like... It was very hard to do. It's very easy to die doing this. And Affie discovers that, like, that's what happened to her parents. And I did like mm-hmm. seeing this conflict within her because she does get, like, really angry. And she feels like the person who raised her, 
like she doesn't know her at all. Yeah. I, I really liked that reckoning. I Yeah, it's really a reckoning with her because she does love her so mm-hmm. much. Like, it, like it, it's such a shock to her whole system finding out that this person that she thought she knew and thought, like, was, like, the person she loved the most is, like, had all these secrets. Yeah, well, and, like, even to the point where she spends so much of this book, like, thinking that she wants to get this proof because if she shows Scover, then Scover will stop. And then she realizes, like, that's not enough. And she ends up actually turning her in. Oh, my gosh. I was so shocked. I was, too. Like, she literally turned in her mother in the Bind Guild. And just, Mm -hmm. like, her and Leox are, like, on their own now. I was very surprised when when she did that. That That was a really big thing for her to do. Yeah. Well, I think Affy, like, is shown through the whole book as being a pretty mature character Mm -hmm. for her age. Like, she has. She's very grown up. Well, and I think she discovers – there's a really great section um, where Leox kind of talks to her about it. Like, she discovers that she already has, like, everything she needs. Like, she has her family with Leox and Geode and the vessel. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all she needs. She doesn't need anybody else's approval. She doesn't need to do – anything for Scover if she doesn't want to, like, she is complete already. And I I liked seeing a character kind of come to that realization. Yeah. She kind of reminds me of, um, what's the character in Crash of Fate? Oh, yeah. I can't remember their names either. (laughs) See, like, our our brains are mush today. Yeah. I can't remember anything. anything. Here, wait, I have it. (laughs) Izzy. Izzy. She reminds me a lot of Izzy. I, yeah, I agree with that. I think she, like, the way she was raised and kind of, like, mm-hmm. how she and goes like, about things. And, like, Wreath is a Jules, too. Wreath is a Jules. He's so baby. So, we thought that there was going to be, like, a romance between Wreath and yeah. Jules. Totally. <laughs> or not oh, Jules. Oh, you mean not Jules? <laughs> Happy. What is wrong with that? <laughs> Wreath, our like names are so bad yeah, today for us. So like, bad. Okay, Wreath and Affy. Yes, yes. There was no romance. There was no romance. Um, I do like the. There friendship. was romance elsewhere. There was romance. Elsewhere. There was romance elsewhere. Um, are you talking about Nan? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't gone into Nan. No. So like, okay. While they're stranded here, they're stranded here with some other folks, and two of them are somebody named Nan, and I can't remember her caretaker's name, but he is a Zabrak. And Nan is, like, so interesting. She was so, like, into, like, wanting Wreath to, like, tell her everything about the Republic and everything. And we do find out that they were Nile, and they find out about the station. She was just trying to get info from Wreath. And he played right into it. Oh my god, I know. And I like when they were saying goodbye and like you're in Wreath's head during this goodbye and he's like, you know, like I think I let her on a little bit too much. Like I think like she like thinks this is more than what it is, but like sometimes I forget because I'm a Jedi and just like friendly to everyone, so I forget that it comes off like differently. But then, like, then there's, like, a thought where he's, like, oh, maybe, like, I did like her a little bit more, like. Yes. Yes. It's just, it's pretty funny. It was really cute. Well, like, especially to think <laughs> that, like, Affy was just, like, playing him this whole time, too. You mean Nan. Yes. Oh, my God. Nan. 
Yes. Um, like, the fact that Nan was also just, like, playing him this whole time. But I... So, like, as I was reading and as I was thinking about it, and she was revealed to be Nile, I was like, oh, okay, interesting, intrigue. And they, they end up going back to the station to, like, take out the Nile, um, replace what mm-hmm. they took, like, all that kind of stuff. And there is this showdown between Wreath and Nan. And Nan lets him go. She's gonna kill... Okay, but then, like, later on, like, you're convinced she's gonna kill him. I don't think she was ever gonna kill Wreath. Do you think that there's gonna be some... Like, this is gonna be a thing? I... In other books? I just think it's really interesting that there was such a focus on her, and then she is like, you know what, you saved me, I'm gonna let you go. And, like, Reef is, like, (gasps) still thinking about her as the book goes on. Wait, 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 wait. What if, like, Claudia's trying to give us her Raylo AU? I honestly... (laughs) Like, do you think that's, like, a real possibility? Like, that she's like, I'm gonna do this for the Raylos. I just, like... I wonder if we're gonna see this come back. Like, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, I like, like on first like reading, my first instinct was like, oh, like Nan's never gonna come back. But like, Claudia, I just the she let him go. It was really interesting. I I feel like I mean, if Claudia didn't want to do something with this. She didn't have to do that twist and like have Nan be like, "You saved me. You're you're fine." No, like, what if it's like actually a gift to the Raylos, though? Like true enemies, lovers. I like, would love to see it. It was like new acquaintances to enemies to could, potentially okay. lovers. Could you imagine though, like getting this book from Nan's perspective? I would love to see what she was thinking during all this. Because that was something I felt was missing. Because, like, I wanted to know more about Nan. And mm-hmm. I would really like to see that. I just have a feeling that, like, any time Wreath faces off with the Nile, how could he not think about Nan? How could that not be a source of conflict and tension? And, like, we've gotten lost stars from her. I mean... <laughs> You know? It's right there, Claudia. It is right there. And we still, we we don't know what she's writing next. I think the hope is that it's Obatine and it is going to coincide with, like, the marketing for the Obi-Wan show. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, what I think it's going to be, like, what makes sense to me. But then, like, now I have this other thing on my radar where I'm, like... Okay, but maybe she's trying to give us. I mean, High Republic Raylo. It would make sense that she wouldn't say anything about it because the next thing we see Reethan is from Justina. Yeah. Which I mean, that's not to say Nan won't be in that, but I I definitely think that there there is a new pairing that has been set up and I think it would be um unwise to not expect it to possibly go somewhere because we know claudia (laughs) so i am very interested in that that is a a very interesting development that i would like to watch (laughs) kind of the other side of this and we're, we're kind of jumping around a lot because there is just so much happening with all of our characters 
Um, but we have, you know, Affie's storyline kind of discovering the secrets about the station. We have Wreath and Nan. And what we really see with Wreath is kind of like him kind of coming into his own because for so long he's just kind of been on Coruscant doing his own thing. And this is the first time he's really been out on his own without his master. And the other side of this, and I feel like what really influences Wreath, is his interactions with Comac and Orla. And as I said, we do learn that, like, they are both kind of feeling lost and, like, maybe the Jedi aren't what they're supposed to be. And I just think it's really interesting, like, we see through their flashbacks, like, in the... It's, like, 25 years ago, and Comac lost his master, wasn't allowed to grieve, and ends up just forcing all of that down and just, like, Mm -hmm. not thinking about it. And Orla was made to not trust her instincts or trust into the into the force which resulted in somebody dying yeah they both have like really really deep trauma that like has not been addressed no it's just been festering for 25 years like i know we've talked about this before about like are we gonna see lost 20 and after reading this i feel like if anybody is gonna be lost 20 it's definitely gonna be comac yeah I, I, not both of them? I mean, I, I think maybe both of them. Orla, to me, seems like she has more of the right idea of, like, she's like, I don't think I agree with the Jedi. I'm just going to kind of walk away and do things on my own. Like, being that wayseeker, still kind of being yeah. part of the Order. So, like, a wayseeker d- does not make you a lost 20. No. Yeah. I, I think, like, if she were to completely, like, cut ties, which could happen, but I feel like with Comac... Um, and, and I do like that he fully, like, recognizes this within himself, and he says, like, I don't know if I agree with the Order right now. Like, I don't know if what they are is right. And he, like, he tells this to Wreath, and it's like, I'm, he's, he's trying. Like, he's definitely not, like, going necessarily dark, but I could also see him even being asked to leave the Order for even having these doubts. Yeah. It's just very... I don't know. I, I feel like we haven't really seen this a whole lot. Like, obviously, we see with Anakin him not being allowed to deal with his emotions. And I think Comac reflects that because he he feels boxed in. He feels like he can't express himself. Um, when his master dies, he literally says that he pushes the force away because it feels like a lie. Like, every every tenant of the Jedi says that Comac should be happy for his master. He's, you know, moved into the Force, blah, blah, blah. Um, but Comac feels as though, like, something has been taken from him. Like, this was bad. This was a horrible thing to happen. And, like, if he reacts, then the Jedi will reprimand him for doing that. Mm-hmm. Now, like, if you get asked to leave, is that the same as... Is that a lost 20? I, what exactly is the lost 20, I guess? Yeah. Because I feel like technically, I mean, Ahsoka decides to leave on her own. Yeah. But they were, like, stripping the Jedi from her. Mm-hmm. So it, I, d- I do wonder if, like, that's how it would, how it would factor in, maybe. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see play out. It will. Like... Comac just gets like so angry and like I do want to I do think it's interesting that in every single book we have gotten so far we have had a dead master that keeps yeah. that keeps coming up it's a recurring something 
Um, because Reese Reese Master's dead, Comax is dead. Well, it does it causes a lot of like emotional turmoil because the entire Jedi Fallen Order game is built off of Cal's trauma. Mm-hmm. Like the whole, even like the system of how you're developing your skills throughout the game and getting new skills that you're able to use is him reaching down deep and like looking at repressed memories of his master. Yeah, like it's that all is the about way the master. game is structured. I so there is a section where he talks about you know the Jedi specifically say like no attachments and yet they make masters take padawans. So like how can you expect me to not be upset and to not grieve the like the fact that my master is gone. And I think you know we see that with Reith as well when Reith finds out that his master is gone because he does not know how to react. I, I feel like his reaction is so stunted. Like, he just feels, like, very lost and, like, like he doesn't have a purpose. And they do point out, like, the Order does not allow you to grieve. Like, there is no place for grief in the Deadeye. Like, no place for it within us. Like, you just have to bury it away. And yeah, anybody can tell you, like, that's a bad idea. Well, then, like... I mean, you get, like, shows like WandaVision that are all about grief, the way it manifests. Like, well, and I mean, you see what happens. Like, people just try to expect her to be happy, and she Mm -hmm. (laughs) does this. Um, I did find, so on page 221, it says, um, while they're on the station, they think that they lose Des. They think he dies. Um, We do find out later he's not actually dead. But when they tell the council and they don't really react, um, Comac says, yet the voice inside his head, the one he tried not to listen to, the one that spoke more and more often, demanded, why should it be a virtue to hide your feelings, to pretend that they don't exist? Like, they they honestly just, like, act like droids. They, they do. And I, I'm starting to wonder, like, the Jedi we see in the prequels are very devoid of emotion, and they, they very much do push it completely away. I would say in the High Republic, you don't see that quite as much, but it is still there. I'm, I'm wondering if we are, like, we are starting to see that maybe there's going to be a breakaway, and, like, this, something's going to happen with this. Like, we do know it's kind of playing on the Jedi's fears and, like, all that. Mm-hmm. If, like, we're going to see the turning point where the Jedi completely push all kinds of emotion away and if that's gonna cause like maybe there to be a rift yeah 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 (laughs) acolyte i just i feel like we see a lot of different points of view with the jedi and like not everybody agrees with this so i do wonder what's gonna happen yeah i have to wonder if like the pressure point will create the acolyte that we're gonna get yeah because we don't know anything about the acolyte like, we don't know anything about what that is. I know what I, I don't want it to be. I also know what I don't <laughs> want it to be. <laughs> um, but speaking about the Sith, though, so what we find out about the station, um, there were these idols here. They thought the idols were containing Dark Side, so they were going to remove them, take them back to Coruscant, get the Dark Side out, which, by the way, did we know that the Jedi Temple on Coruscant is built on top of a Sith shrine? We knew that. Did we know that? I thought I I thought I knew that. I I feel like I knew this, but reading it was like it like threw me for a loop. And the 
Jedi Temple is built on top of a virgence in the Force. I mean, virgence. That that word was used to describe Exegol. Virgence yeah. in the Force. Yeah. Well, like, I, I hear yeah. virgence and I think of, like, Octu with the cave. Mm-hmm. Or... But I'm saying specifically in the Rise of Skywalker novelization... They use the word virgins. I remember, like, all of us studying that whole passage, like, <laughs> to see if there was a possibility. In the world between worlds. Yeah. I will admit, that is exactly what I thought of. Um, because mm-hmm. they say, let me see, let me pull this up. It's on 225. A virgence in the Force existed there, a nexus of power and energy that could be put to many uses, both worthy and wicked. Virgences rose of their own accord. They could not be created, only discovered. In the far distant past of the Old Republic, back during the ancient Sith Empire, Sith and Jedi had often warred for control of these virgences. The Sith held this one first. The Sith held this one first. Yes. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? I, the fact that, like, so these virgences basically just exist of the force they are neither good nor evil it just depends on how you use it and Mm -hmm. you can only discover them you can't make them you can't destroy it so i'm like where are the others have we already seen them is one on octu but that was just interesting the way that they were talking about the sith and then they find out that these idols weren't containing dark side energy they were holding it back um and so removing them was a, a bad thing to do so they take them back and what's interesting to me is that we find out that they were holding back the Dringir, um, which are evil plant people. Um, yeah. So they were, like, asleep. But now they're awake. Yeah. <laughs> from what we understand, um, so this station used to be from, like, a race of warriors. Um, they would use the station to appear all over the galaxy, which we find out is because there are a bunch of, like, little hyperspace pods in it. And I'm guessing when they went to the Dringir's planet, they got a little bit more than they bargained for. Um, plants are pretty easy to spread and germinate. In containing them, the Sith contained them, not the Jedi. Like, specifically the Sith built these to contain the Dringir. And the, I was like, why? That's, why? <laughs> I just feel like when we think of the Sith, we would think that they would want to use these people like harness like harness their power it's just so interesting that like they contained them and then everybody left you know other things about the dream gear um i definitely feel like the way people would go down into where like the pods are because that's what happens to des and they get sent back to the dream gears planet reminded me of just how carnivorous plants work um kind of reminded me of like orchids <laughs> you go down mm-hmm. and then you get trapped and you can't get back out yeah um which i thought was fun i really liked the drin gear they're cool they just want to yeah. eat everything such a good um new addition to canon well and they um when we see like des being held captive by them they use like a lot of toxins and stuff on him which was mm-hmm. really cool like i would like to see more I- of that I also thought it was interesting that they mentioned that the toxins would take longer to affect the Jedi because they're better at holding their breath. I guess it's kind of like part of like meditation, like them learning to do things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was interesting. It was really interesting. So this book kind of culminates with um, everybody deciding to go back to the station, even though the Jedi didn't 
like the order is kind of like, no, you don't need to go back. Um, our main cast do decide to go back. Um, Affy to learn more information. Wreath because he thinks he can save Des. Um, and then Orla and Comac because they want to put the idols back. They knew that something bad had happened. And they also kind of realize that since Nan was Nile, now they know about the station and they could use it for their own gain. Um, and what I really liked is that Wreath has this realization um, towards the end of the book. It's on 367. And he says, the Dringir believe they can use the station to wreak havoc across the galaxy. The Nile believe they can too, which means if anybody's going to hold the station, it has to be the Republic. But maybe no one should hold it at all. And I thought that was a really big thing for him to say, because I do think that like all of the Jedi right now would expect like, oh, the Republic should just hold this, or oh, it should be the Jedi. But Wreath like recognized that Everybody was going to want this thing, and even if maybe the Republic would use it for good, it's just better if it's forgotten like it was before. Yeah. yeah. And so he, he like, releases all the pods, so it basically, like, renders the station useless. It's just, like, an Arboretum floating in space now. That's so cool. To call it an Arboretum floating in space. That's what I want. That's really romantic. You know where else we've seen an Arboretum floating in space? No, I don't know. <laughs> Um, in the Ben Solo comic. Oh, <laughs> Snoke in yeah. the hat. The hat. The armadillo <laughs> hat. He was in the garden in the Ar- Armadillo <laughs> Snoke. Oh my god. The best Snoke. Um, but I, I really liked that realization with Wreath, because I, I do think he's kind of learning that maybe the Jedi and the Republic aren't, um, like, 100%. Like, maybe he doesn't agree with them 100% either. Which, to me, kind of played into him asking Comac if he would be his master. And they both kind of level with each other, like, I don't know if I'm on, like, a good path either, but maybe we can learn together. And I liked that a lot better than Vernestra taking Eerie as the, as a, yeah. an apprentice. So that is basically into the dark um i feel like we left stuff out but i also feel like we hit everything i i'm not sure did a lot happen not exactly i think that claudia does what she does best which is develop these characters and especially considering we're gonna see these characters in other books like she is giving like a wealth of like content to other writers to write these characters also Mm -hmm. um and I know all of the High Republic writers are really strong, so I have, like, faith that they can all kind of keep to the same, like, canon of, like, character personalities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think our our first, like, little jaunt into the High Republic, like, all three of these books have been more, like, laying foundation. Like, all three of them have been. Um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, um, it does make me curious to see what's going to happen next. I just hope that we start to get a little bit more focused as we go on. Because thinking of back on Into the Dark, like, I, I do think about, like, the stuff that she talked about with the dark side a lot. I wish there could have been more of it because this was kind of like a broader book. But I definitely think Claudia is giving other writers a lot to work with as we move forward, like, into the the next releases. 
So we already talked about this, but the next young adult novel um, is called Out of the Shadows. Um, it is by Justina Ireland. That is like such a like rhymes you into the dark. They went into the dark. Now they're coming out of the shadows. Like it's just it's perfect. Thank you. Okay, I think Nanny's gonna be in this book. I would love to see it. I just like I think that it would be awesome if it's just like a repetitive thing that they just like run into each other a lot. Yes. While while like Reef is like a Padawan, and then when they're like we get into like phase two or three of this thing, and like Reef is like in his twenties, <laughs> and then things happen. I just. There has to be some kind of humanizing of the Nile at some point, right? Like, like I that's... think we've already seen that, though. Like, not, like, completely, but, like... Well, like, as of right now, I feel like, and especially, like, to the Jedi, like, the Nile are very much still, like, this evil force that they have to overcome. Yeah. Um, we see with Marturian Roe, um, he is pretty crazy. There's a lot of cool things going on there, but he did kidnap a Jedi. The Jedi obviously aren't going to like that. So having... Wreath constantly have these run-ins with Nan and maybe seeing how, like, she was raised and how she thinks of things. And, like, that's kind of already started because she did – she didn't lie to him when she said, you know, like, my parents were killed, um, these people took me in kind of thing. To see him think about that and maybe see the Nile in a different light is going to be very interesting and him being Comac's um, apprentice and Comac already having these, like, you know, it's not so cut and dry between light and dark could lead to them, you know, siding with the Nile or creating some other, you know, type of faction that maybe isn't the Jedi, which, I mean, enemies to lovers is just the absolute excellence. And it's what well, we deserve. Well, like I said, it's like new acquaintances to enemies to lovers. <laughs> I, like, I would love if they, like, really slow burn long game them. Like, oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Like, you go, like, you, like, take the time to age them up. Yes. Like, you know, um, what ship have I already always talked about? Oh, Kaz and, um... <laughs> Kaz and Tora? <laughs> Tora. Because, like, yeah, Tora is 16 in the show, like, fine, fine, fine. But, like, if they, like, took the time... To age up like Tora to like when she's like 25 and Kaz is 28, I guess, at the, that point. It would be yeah. very good. I would like to see it. Same. Like, I mean, like, this would be like the same except it's enemies lovers. Yes. Like, I want to see. Not like childhood friends. I want to see them like. We we already have them, like you said, like new acquaintances. They kind of find out that their enemies are on these opposite sides. I would love to see them in several books have run-ins and either like they start to become more enemies, but then maybe they, you know, start to get closer and then just have like a big culmination whenever this comes like to fruition, however long that's going to take. I am so here for that. Give me the scraps. I will take my scraps in every single book <laughs> as long as it's enemies to lovers. But so we will be seeing him again in the summer. Not quite sure how that's going to go. I don't know if there's going to be like a time jump. If um, Avon is still going to be young, I'm not sure. Um, but I am excited for Justine Ireland finally writing YA and Star Wars. Like that's going to be everything. Uh, the next adult novel that we will be getting is called The Rising Storm. And it will be by Kevin Scott, mm -hmm. um, which I'm very excited about. I am very excited about this. Yes. Kevin... He gets it. 
he like is kind of like the dark horse in the sense where like it was like I don't really know what to expect from him and then he puts out Dooku Jedi Lost and now like he's on my radar for everything yes I'm like give me everything yes Kevin Scott like I will read it all and I will say so he's doing the comic and we haven't really been talking about the comic there's only been two issues so far we are still seeing this trend of kind of exploring the jedi having bigger emotions than we're used to seeing um Mm -hmm. and if he continues with that into this novel i think kevin's really gonna give it to us (laughs) um so i'm really excited to see that i think it's gonna be really interesting um i couldn't find like a blurb or anything about what this one's about but it is kind of the continuation from light of the jedi um, and the rising storm is obviously referring to the Nile because they are all about that storm imagery. Um, but that will be out on June 29th. So we still have quite a ways to go for that. And then also on June 29th, we will have the next middle grade novel, which is called Race to Crash Point Tower. Um, and that will be by Daniel Jose Older. I also don't know anything about that book either, except that it's supposed to be action-packed. That's all it said. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm not sure about that. We haven't seen um, anything from uh, DJO yet because we haven't read the adventure comics, but I have heard that his characters are fun, so it should be a fun fun little read. But I think that's going to do it for uh, this episode, and that's going to kind of wrap up The High Republic for now. Do you have anything else you want to add about what we've seen so far? No, I would wish, I will wish for Nan's return. If I ever come across a shooting star, I will be wishing for Nan's return. (laughs) So moving forward with us, um, we do have a couple more books coming out. We might not get to them um, as quickly as normal, um, just because they're not ones that we're like super hyped about. We do have the final um, Alphabet Squadron Victory's Price coming out. We will both be reading that. We'll see when we get to it. Um, We also have the second of the new Thrawn trilogy coming out as well. That'll be later in April. Um, But next up, we're going to be doing a little bit of a pivot. Um, We kind of already did this with Willow. We really enjoyed that and we want to keep that energy going. It is good energy. It's a really good energy. (laughs) Um, Little known fact, um, Alex and I, especially Alex, were very obsessed with the Dark Crystal show that came out on Netflix. Um, Super Mm -hmm. upset that it got canceled. Uh, But we are going to be doing a deeper dive into the Dark Crystal. And we are going to start off with watching the Dark Crystal movie. Um, Alex has seen it. We know. I never have. I was going to say, we know that the show is the prequel. Mm -hmm. um, But we've both seen it. We're going to watch it in the order of release, Mm -hmm. like George would have wanted. So, yeah, this is Jim Henson. I think it's just, for us, it's like that feeling of the 80s, of Star Wars, of Willow, that like, just like... 80s vibe to it that there's a type of storytelling that we see from that that like time period that kind of fits in with like our podcast and like the way we like felt about talking about willow was great like it was really really exciting revisiting Mm -hmm. we're visiting for the first time but like visiting an old classic yeah yeah i'm very excited to watch dark crystal um i am afraid of puppets 
but yeah. it's going to be fine. No, it's for the greater it's good. The There's greater a good ship. Yes. We'll talk about Raylo again. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like the main reason we decided on Dark Crystal is because we both loved the show so much and the show was very Star Wars. Um, I'm forever yeah. upset that we're not going to see what happens next because it was going places. I thought they're going to finish in books. They are. Yeah, but it's not the same. <laughs> I know, I know it's not the same, but we're both readers, so it's, like, it's accessible to us to just, like, pick up a book. Like, that is true. something that we do. Th- that, this is true. So, no, no, I, I, I totally agree. I would, I would like to see the show picked up yeah. by another network well, or something. Well, like, like, you mentioned it, like, this totally could have been, like, an animated show, but then they were like, no, let's spend the money, let's do the puppets, and they were like, yeah. no, it's too expensive. Well, because we were talking, um... Jim Henson is producing the Laura Olympus TV series, which is going to be animated. Um, and they actually, they wanted to make the Dark Crystal show animated also. But Netflix was like, no, if we're going to do this, we're going to go all the way. And then they go and cancel it. Yeah. Really sad. I would totally be fine, too, if they wanted to pick it back up and make it animated. I yeah. just, I would like to see the rest of the story. I would really like to see uh-huh. the rest of the story. And, like, yeah, it's going to be in books, but we're we're going to talk about it. We're going to rewatch. It's been a long time. Um, so I'm excited. I think that's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. And I've <laughs> even read some of the other Dark Crystal books. Yes. Which are actually also very good. Yes. I think I've read two or three of them. They're all YA. They're very good, actually. I need to pick They're those up. good. Um, so... I'm excited for this episode. What's I think what stopped me from reading the books is that I don't want to imagine the characters. Why do you imagine them as so, like because like the, you know the book characters are characters that are on in the TV series, yeah. right? Yeah, and they're like the background characters from the TV series. They're not the mains. It's really cool. It's really good. I, I, like, I'm, it's gonna really... I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna read them. It's gonna be fine. I was I ended up being <laughs> fine watching the show. Like, we even talked about Labyrinth, and somehow I was fine watching Labyrinth as a kid, even mm-hmm. though that's terrifying, too. <laughs> so, um, but if you yeah. liked our Willow episode, um, hopefully you will like our coverage of The Dark Crystal, because we are very excited about it. <laughs> but that is going to do it for this episode. As always, if you'd like to keep the conversation going, you can find us on Twitter. Um, we are at lip underscore lightsabers. I am at McCarter Shannon and Alex is at Alex Leonis. Um, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to send us an email as well, we do have all of our information uh, down in the description of every podcast episode. And as always, if you want to support the show, you can check out our shop with lovely designs by Alex. And we also have a coffee account. But for now, that is everything. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs>